Welcome back to our next fireside chat here at the Freight Waves Sales and Marketing Summit. It's an exciting time to get some exciting insight on what's going on in the world of sales and marketing. And with me today, we have Sylvia Sincrone, Vice President of Sales Marketing at Forward Air. Sylvia, thank you for joining us today at the Sales and Marketing Well, thank Summit. you, Kaylee. It's a pleasure for me to be here with you this morning and having a dialogue in regards to what do we need to learn in the B2B space from the business to consumer marketing tactics. So thank you for inviting me today. Absolutely. And I'm very excited to get into this conversation because it's really complex, kind of nuanced, but also very important to understand the journey that both a marketer and a client goes to when trying to understand the differences between your strategy for B2B versus B2C. So we're going to get into that a little bit in this conversation. Before we get started, though, Sylvia, you're down at Forward Air in Atlanta, Georgia. You guys have had a big year in 2021. And let's talk a little bit about Forward Air, what you do there and kind of what Forward Air is. Well, yes, we, we, we've we had a very good year. And let me just tell you a bit about my background. Um, as you said, I am the vice president of sales marketing here at Forward Air. And we're a transportation company, but we're an expert in the expedited ground transportation industry. Um, I have a bit over 25 years of experience in the business to consumer, business to business and nonprofit space. And I think I'm one of the lucky ones, Kaylee, um, to have a 360 view of the sales and marketing space with career experience in media, agency and corporate marketing in both the B2B and the business space. Uh, most recently, as of 2019, I ventured in the supply chain and transportation industries from a marketing standpoint, both in a position supporting sales. And one of the learnings and things that were we were able to apply were business to consumer tactics in our space that resulted in an increased brand recognition um, growth in customer acquisition and profits, and also maximization of our media dollars. So it's proven. Now, there is a lot to learn from the tactics in the B2C space, um, and they are highly effective in our environment. So let's start off by just kind of defining both of those spaces and how they exist separately. Let's talk a little bit about how marketing exists, marketing standards exist, in that B2B space, and then how those exist differently in the B2C space. So I'm going to answer inversely. I'm going to first um, do an example of the business-to-consumer space and then compare it to ours. Um, because of the plethora of information that there is in the business-to-consumer space, um, it is known to have very aggressive 360 marketing tactics. So, Kaylee, let's think about our personal bias journey and behavior as a consumer, right? Um, you're, exposed, mm -hmm. you're exposed to an advertising space or you're exposed to a website you visit. And immediately through that journey, you have already probably an email within minutes in your um, inbox. You probably have an SMS or a text hitting um, your phone. And through your browsing behavior, you get retargeted in multiple properties, right? Eventually, some would pivot into a phone call or even a direct mail piece. That is because we have, um, in, in the marketing space, for business to consumer, we have all of your information and we're treating you as an individual. 
And the message mm-hmm. increases with value of what the product and service that you have been exposed to brings to you, either speed or discount or ease of life, right? Very aggressive call to actions, mm-hmm. very personalized. So that is a B2B space. I mean, yeah, business to consumer space. In the business to business area, we see, first of all, how marketers define their targets in segments that are called personas or profiles. Right now, you're detaching yourself colloquially from the fact that this is an individual, right? And then you lose track of the fact that this prospect buyer will go through the same buying behavior and research as we would do in the business to consumer space. So think about it. A decision maker in a Fortune 500 company would look at your product and service and the first thing that they would do is a Google search. 94% Kaylee of the decision makers begin their journey in a Google search. It would take around 14 different marketing pieces to get that prospect even interested in engaging with a salesperson. So think about it. Um, as a consumer, we look at testimonials, websites, case studies. Those are the same pieces of content that we need to be sure that we curate and have accessible to this business-to-business decision maker. There's a complete alignment. The process is exactly the same. However, in the business space, we talk about companies. We want to target company A versus company B. Mm-hmm. But the decision maker in this case is, a, is an individual a consumer that is utilizing his personal behavior in a space to make a decision for the company that they represent. A hundred percent. I think of this is almost kind of like a thought process that you have to put when you're applying for a job, right? Obviously, if you're a job seeker applying for a job, you're going to kind of curate your resume to what the business Mm -hmm. thinks. But at the same time, you're also thinking about the hiring manager or the HR manager or the individual person who is receiving your resume and reading your cover letter and about adjusting your strategy to fit what their expectations are from the get-go. And then you open up the umbrella to look at what the company is expecting of you. And let's talk a little bit about that in the frame of the marketing space. If you're a marketer, say we've got Bob the marketer who's working at company A, right? And he's now looking at targeting, and let's say he's a software company targeting transportation company C. Bob is kind of struggling now to come up with a strategy to think about this company as a whole from an individual standpoint by targeting that one individual. So how can he or marketers of any kind adjust that strategy to now start thinking about, okay, my target strategy has to catch the eye of a single person first before it can catch the eye of the entire company. I have to prove my worth to the individual before they can make the decision of if I'm worthy to represent their company or for their company to be represented by me. Yes, um, I agree 100% with with your statement and I love your question. Um, So in the buying process, you would have the single first person or gatekeeper that would make the decision to bring your company as a prospect partner to what will be a buying committee. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. because of the way that marketers in the business-to-business space um, categorize, as I mentioned um, a few minutes before, the targets on personas, we fail sometimes to understand that the decision makers would have a direct relationship with the product or service that you provide. And that is how you need to cater to them from a messaging and a channel perspective. 
So I'm just going to give you a few examples of, of buyers, right? Not personas and not profiles, buyers and buyers types. Um, you could have an economical buyer that would see your product and service within the ream of the impact that you will bring from an economical and a P&L perspective. You could also have mm-hmm. what would be the user buyer that in this case would be the person that will be directly impacted in their day-to-day with what you're offering. You need to speak to them differently, right? Because you need to talk to the involvement and the relationship that you're going to have in their life cycle as a representative of that organization. Um, so I'm just using those two um, buyer personas, or sorry, buyer um, types as an example. Now, the discovery process is similar, even though the the targets are different. First of all, they need to recognize that they have a problem. Sometimes they don't even know that they're having delays in shipment, that their cargo is not on time, it's not safe, it has been delivered or not delivered um, with harm, right? So they need to understand that there is a problem. How can I solve my problem? That needs to be the secondary message. The third message is, guess what? I have done um, business with companies exactly like yours and impacted with X and Y. See how that compares with what I talked about previously with the business to consumer space. Impact on what you bring into the table, right? As in the, as the consumer, you see a lot of messages, save time, save money, immediate in your door. So think about the, the messaging and the impact that that message has in the journey. So I identified the problem. I look for solutions. I look at my company or your company to understand that you bring the best service to the decision maker. And then you escalate to contacting, making sure that you close that contract and then the renew and the expansion of the relationship. Mm -hmm. So you need to speak in two different languages, but in a funnel type to continue to enhance the credibility and the trust and the value that you would bring to the table, right? Let's kind of take that step-by-step, that strategy breakdown. And let's look at the beginning of that journey. So you have your marketer, they've now gotten in the good graces of the company. They're having these conversations around selling their products or selling their services. And they've made this initial connection. But as you mentioned, then it's about developing the relationship and getting a little bit deeper into how you can solve problems and what the real problems are for the company that you are working for. And sometimes when you're trying to make a sale or trying to market your business or your product or your service, you can run into people that have some preconceived notions about that product or the service that you're offering. Do you have any strategies to kind of help mitigate that if you're that marketer? Or how do you make that connection and then deepen that connection with somebody who might have a preconceived notion about you or your company or your service? First of all, As a marketer, it's my job to have compelling and strong marketing pieces and content that provide trust and value to what my company, the industry, and my service brings to the table. Not only to decrease any preconceived uh, notions that they would have, but to prevent them from even happening, right? So the first thing that needs to happen is for the prospect individual to raise their hand and say, I'm interested. I looked at your website. I clicked on an email. So we get a heartbeat of the fact that there's an individual, a company or a prospect interested in what we offer. At that point, 
we need to ensure that we are utilizing that very enticing content as part of multi-touch points, like I described before, to the point that when this prospect shows um, a strong engagement rate, we're able to do a human outbound contact, pick up the phone and reach out to understand where in the process you are. Are you interested? Are you ready for um, a sales leader to contact you and engage in a sales conversation? Are you someone that you're not interested, then I'm opting you out or it's not a good fit? And third, do I need to continue to nurture you and make sure that you are constantly being reminded of the value that I bring to the table as a company and as an organization? Mm-hmm. So there's three pieces to answer your, your, your question. Number one is the strong, compelling message. Number two, the multi-touch point. Um, to build that credibility. And number three, it's very important. If you have someone in your list that feels that you are bringing noise, just up them out. Just take them out of your Mm -hmm. list because it's worse actually to keep someone receiving your marketing message that is going to click um, and report you as a spam or opt out. That means that you have done not a good job And the reputation damage is already there. Okay, Sylvia, last question for you today. The marketing world and just the world in general has undergone a lot of change in the last year, year and a half with COVID-19 fighting through the pandemic. And there's a lot of struggles still facing the world where marketing used to be done a lot in person. And it was about making that face-to-face personal connection. Can you talk about some of the biggest struggles facing marketing departments today and how they've adapted through this change and now adapted to still kind of stay relevant in a world where face-to-face communication now is a lot harder to come by? Um, Kaylee, I will tell you that every aspect of our lives has been impacted by the current pandemic and more more so the business-to-business space because we are used Mm -hmm. to building relationships, knocking on doors, going to conferences and and building that trust face-to-face. I think we are lucky to have gone through that journey um, as marketers, because we have evolved aggressively from an art to a science. And we have implemented during the pandemic more diversified channels and more diversified touch points or vehicles. And because of the fact that these channels have morphed, or we have, let me say, um, translated our efforts from traditional broadcast to digital, now we have the upper hand as marketers. And, and we have earned our seat in the table due to the fact that this digital marketing efforts are trackable. So in the past, you had a promise of a sale when you were knocking on a door and you had all of this marketing efforts supporting that, right? Right now, in a digital space where you have the ability of tracking one-to-one your engagement, your um, leads, your opportunities to, to the dollar amount, Now you're able to say, okay, this is not a promise of a sale. This is actually a contract that was completed and it was generated by a digital marketing effort or a digital marketing tactic. So even though the journey had to go fast forward, you, what, in in a year and a half, two year journey from companies that sometimes were more traditional than digital, I think that the learning was there. 
And we have been able to see how marketing has evolved drastically um, from a traditional standpoint to additional standpoint that I will tell you was not the primary focus in the business to business space. So I think that applies with what we um, talked at the beginning of, of our conversation earlier this morning in regards to there's a lot to, to be learned from the business to consumer space in the business to business space. And I think the, the first learning, not only in the evolution of marketing, but in this specific environment has been the application of digital tactics and vehicles um, in our space. I love that. The fluidity between the two spaces has really come to the forefront and shown its opportunity for those two to exist kind of in harmony instead of fight against exactly other, right? All right, Sylvia, thank you so much for joining us today at the Sales and Marketing Summit. Thank you for representing Forward Air. If people want to get in touch with you guys there at Forward Air, where should they go to do that? They should go to www.forwardair.com. Great. Thank you again for being with us today. And thank all of you viewers for sticking with us through the Sales and Marketing Summit and through this fireside chat. There's a ton more content coming up for the rest of the day. If you miss any of our sessions today, you can always rewatch them live on demand.tv.freightwaves.com. And they will be posted as well on our website, freightwaves.com as well. Make sure that you guys are staying active in our live chat rooms today. If you've not registered for the event on live.freightwaves.com, go get that done because we'd love to see you. There's more content coming up.